This episode contains discussions of suicide. If you or someone you know needs help, call or text the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline or visit 988lifeline.org. You're new around here, aren't you? Yeah, I'm Tommy. Guess who's back? To those who possess the great power, all things are possible. Face it, you're just circuits and sensors. You're nothing like me. You have no heart. I almost came up on myself, Goldar. But your little picture show reminded me how much good I've done. Not only as a Green Ranger, but as me. Plain old time. I just want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. For hanging in there with me through all this. It was tough, but you guys came through. It means a lot to me. Earth is safe again. It was an honor to fight by your side. This is RangerCast, Episode 4, in appreciation of Tommy Oliver, recorded on Sunday, December 4th, 2022. In this episode, we talk about our favorite Tommy moments, as well as the latest from set, moves at Hasbro, and some exciting news for Tokusatsu fans. This is RangerCast. I'm Tyler, better known as Rito Volto, and I have Lamar with me. Hey, happy to be here, everyone. And our goal is for this episode to be a little less dour than the emergency podcast we put out following Jason David Frank's death. Um, we know a little bit more, and we're going to get to that. Um, and our our flag here at Ranger Cast World Headquarters is still uh, at half mast. I think we're all still in a real uh, sense of shock um, and grief uh, yeah. over his death. But uh, we're going to get to that more of that later, along with uh, memories of our favorite Tommy moments. Um, but uh, for lack of a good segue, we're going to get to some news. So, Cosmic Fury is in the middle of filming the last episode. In fact, uh, the day after he received the sad news that Jason Frank died, 
uh, the cast was at their first read-through for the final episode. Um, also, you know, avert your ears, skip ahead a few minutes if you don't want to hear this uh, potential spoiler. But uh, the Twitter user, the A Games 10 I believe, was first on this, spotting Abraham Rodriguez's Instagram story, putting him in Auckland. And the cast, especially him, they've not been shy about him being down there. As far as I could tell, he's the only Beast Morphers cast member down there. Um, it's possible, you know, given how active Nate is in examining the vault at, at uh, Grid Battle Forest, and the fact that the Rangers are known to be fans of his brother's show, uh, make me wonder what kind of role he'll play in uh, the finale. Yeah, I mean, I again, I still have to get caught up on stuff. Um, but from what I've seen, um, you know, Abraham is a fan favorite. And I mean, it's great also that they're they're tying things in a little bit more. Um, one of the things I really uh, felt was a loss um, in the more recent seasons has been the lack of interconnectivity, you know, especially um, past seasons coming back and, you know, uh, participating with the more recent seasons like how they used to do in the late saban area where they yeah do the crossover yeah. so doing stuff like that again i think is a great development and it helps you know the fans of one season uh, become fans of the next and do you i I'm, i don't want to spoil the backstretch of dino, dino fury for you um but i will say that it delivers on that and it's building towards this idea of other characters popping in that's awesome well i'm excited um definitely something where you know when i'm able to to get caught up um uh it's just something uh getting all the the finances lined up yeah i think by the time that uh enough other hosts have you know watched it i'll have to re-watch it i mean i have notes um and i loved it uh but it, it's fantastic stuff, and I really can't wait to see where they go with this in, in Cosmic Fury. It's going to be very, very, very exciting. And speaking of show news, Hasbro, it's been, it's been discussed for some time they might be doing this under uh, the new regime of Chris Cox, but they are officially putting a for sale sign outside Entertainment One, which they bought, like, three some years ago uh, and is the unit of Hasbro now responsible for the production of the show. Um, Hasbro says E1, this is according to Hollywood Reporter, is no longer supporting its branded entertainment strategy. Um, so they're going to focus on branded assets, they say, like Peppa Pig, Transformers, and Dungeons and Dragons. This comes from a uh, investor call and investor statement put out by Hasbro. It comes right after uh, E1 CEO Darren Throop left the company at the end of 2022 at the end of his employment contract. They acquired E1 for $4 billion in 2019, and they were looking to make themselves into a media contender. But then the pandemic happened, and there are all these delays and what have you, and they weren't able to do it. Now, what we don't know 
is what this means for the show uh, and the plans that were already in motion for um, for Jonathan Entwistle and Jenny Klein to make the show and movies going forward. Because as far as we understand, their contracts aren't with aren't with John Hasbro. They're with E1. And if there were to be a split, would the making of the show still be contracted out to E1, which has this deal with Netflix and all of that? And it's really very confusing. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to admit, I'm not quite sure how to envision how things will change from this development. Um, I know definitely transfers have been both good in the sense of Wild Force to Ninja Storm, and also less good, uh, such as from RPM to Samurai. So it's really just going to come down to how much passion do uh, the producers have and really, that's not a matter of who's owning it. It's just a matter of who's working on it. So I'm hopeful that the franchise will do what's best. Right. And it's important to stress because some fans have kind of misunderstood this news. They aren't selling Power Rangers. Yes. No, uh, that's definitely something that uh, <laughs> Hasbro does not want to do. They're clearly doing very well with Power Rangers. That's a It's a growing market for them. Um, and don't worry, guys, this is not another 2009 RPM situation where Power Rangers might end forever. Like, we're, we're still good. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of sensitive to that because it's a show that has been on Death's Door multiple, multiple times. But they paid $500 billion for Power Rangers. They're not going to give up on it that easily. But then again, you know, like I said, they paid $4 billion for E1. So and the CEO whose idea that was is no longer with us. So who knows? Uh, <laughs> didn't mean to get everybody spooked, but I'm just kind of thinking it through. Uh, so in other news, there's going to be another free comic book day, Power Rangers comic. Uh, they're going to be starting a new series, actually, with free comic book day. The series is called Ranger Academy, and we know it's going to be written by Maria Ingrande Mora with art by Joe Miyong, and it's meant for all ages. It'll introduce brand new characters, and the cover will be my by uh, Miguel Mercado. And that is basically all we know. Uh, you know, all we got is conjecture, like Geek Tyrant speculates, that it might have some kind of tie-in to the 30th anniversary special. Which some people are saying it's supposed to come out in March. I'm not sure. Uh, free comic book day is, of course, May 6th. So we'll see what they end up doing with that. And uh, and in toy news, uh, fans uncovered, you know, as they always do, the box art for a uh, five-pack of Alien Ranger toys. Uh, like the Psycho Rangers, they're selling all five same time. Uh, it might be an Amazon exclusive, or it might be uh, exclusive to some other retailer, like Target or something. Amazon uh, exclusive really is what I heard. Um, I think it's all speculation, though, because the Psycho yeah. Pack was Amazon exclusive. Mm -hmm. I'm still yeah, waiting on my Savage Sword. <laughs> uh, 
that might be a bit of a longer wait. Um, no, but in addition to just the box art, they also um, released pictures of what the figures themselves are going to look like. Yeah, uh, it's on the back, yeah. And, uh, equipment they're going to come with. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting was that they're not all exactly the same size. Um, they, yeah. You know, uh, I think it was well, they, yeah. half an inch between the red and black to the white or to the blue and yellow. Something along those lines. But... Yeah, that, that's a good eye. The, like, mm -hmm. the black and red are 6.29 inches tall. The uh, the blue and yellow are 6.25, and the uh, white is 5.9. You're right. That's a really interesting detail. I hadn't noticed that. Uh, they don't come with heads. Um, if only somebody like Greg, Greg Aronowitz were out there you know, and felt dedicated enough to make heads. But what I really like is the front of the box has art of the equations on Aquatar. Not, mm -hmm. you know, the the heads of it, but like the Rangers morphed on Aquatar, which is just rad and really great attention to detail because we only caught glimpses of Aquatar in the show. And, I mean, I, I, rampant speculation, um, that might suggest that they they might be doing something on Aquatar in the near future in the show or in the comics, um, because I mean, doing all all that artwork for just one release wouldn't make as much sense. I mean, it is Cosmic Fury. Yeah, there there does tend to be a cosmos in Cosmic Fury. <laughs> yeah, and there are plenty of planets out there: Triforia, mm -hmm. Ko thirty five. You know, we, we we might meet, uh, you know, Billy's girlfriend or ex in the special. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in other box art news, and fans, again, doing what they do, uh, they uncovered art of a uh, Ryuki Blu-ray set and a Decoranger Blu-ray set to come out from Shout Factory. And these are probably going to be... Uh, revealed next weekend during a common uh, rider zero one marathon but um i really kind of hate when fans do this stuff because they kind of ruin the surprise for everybody um you know my friend mike worked on works on the trailer for these things and this happens every single time you know let people be surprised i mean i'm excited it's coming but you know there are people who ha ha like you know, plan these announcements, people just go data mining in the Shout Factory website. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I do understand wanting to be the first one to get the information. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, it, you're undercutting the studios and the producers and the people who, who work hard on this stuff. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if perhaps sometimes it's a, it's an effort to try and speed up uh, releases of information. Um, I know that was one of the things that's happened a few times with the big blockbuster movies is somebody will release a uh, a really sketchy version of the trailer online. So the studio then says, OK, well, we'll show you the cleaned up version. Mm. Well, speaking of really sketchy versions online, people are pointing out some issues with the Deck Ranger box art. The box art itself looks legit. Same, you know, graphic design, all that. But if you actually take a closer look the um photo of the rangers is a slightly tweaked version of a publicity shot released for spd 
And if you look down at the bottom, every single one of those screenshots is from Power Rangers SPD. Like, there's Disney Art of Rick, there's the motorcycle, there's Grum. And um, I know the producer, Brian Ward, has talked about how, you know, they get what they get from Toei, but the... I don't know. Uh, go back to the drawing board. We don't know release date about any of this stuff, uh, but it's great to see that Sentai releases are back and coming out in with a reasonably quick pace. I actually just got um, Abba Ranger about a week ago, and I started uh, watching that again. That was actually the first Sentai that I watched um, way back. I, I still have the the bootleg the Hong Kong DVDs. Uh, needless to say, the subtitles on the official release are much, much, much better. I mean, the Sentai's, obviously, that's the source, and that's something I, for example, have been considering getting into. I don't know if there's too many people in the... Fa I know that there's definitely an overlap between Power Rangers fans and Sentai fans, but I think this will also help kind of bridge the gap um, and maybe uh, cross-pollinate a little bit. Because there are also some people who are strictly Sentai fans um, and not Power Rangers fans. So I'm hoping by Shout mm -hmm. Factory doing these sorts of releases, um, it'll it'll help with that. And one of the things I think would actually really support that would be if they try and get the American cast to voice their uh, Japanese counterparts. Obviously, there's some exceptions to that um, that you wouldn't be able to do, but um, that might be a good way to kind of help with that cross-pollination. I think dubbing things costs money. Um, and That's it, fair. It comes down to a cost-benefit analysis. In Japan, um, they've dubbed Power Rangers a few times. Most notably, SPD was dubbed by their Japanese counterparts. Uh, and for Toei, the math works out for them. But Sentai is a niche within a niche within a niche. And the numbers likely wouldn't work out to dub it. Shout Factory in general, as far as I know, uh, the release of Japanese content, they're either working with a partner like G Kids, or they just they release what the materials that are out that are already out there. Uh, I don't think, don't quote me on this, I don't think they commissioned any original dubs for this stuff. And also technical reasons, like right now, you know, they fit all these episodes on X number of DVDs. If you want to put another audio track on them, that's probably going to be several more DVDs. So. And then you got to, you know, packaging all that, all that kind of skyrockets because you need, uh, you know, bigger case to hold all those things. So I, I really don't think the numbers work out for that. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, just kind of spitballing again. I haven't bought yeah. any of the, the Sentai originals. Um, so I just yeah. trying to think of ways that it might be a little bit more accessible. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you know, Power Rangers and sometimes I feel like, I feel like the purists were really a thing back in the early to mid aughts, 
but Power Rangers fans, uh, uh, online Power Rangers fandom was clamoring for releases like this long before anybody was even doing it, long before even Power Rangers itself was on these DVD sets. So I think I think that Amanda's there and you know, were it not for the unexplained gap, we might have uh, gotten a bit more up to speed. Now, it's also likely that when they start, you know, getting up to Bokenger, we get these on Blu-ray sets instead of DVD sets, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, and in other Tokusatsu news, Shin Ultraman is going to be in theaters for a couple days in January as part of a Fathom Events release. And uh, for those who aren't familiar with that movie... It's written by Hideaki Anu, the creator of Evangelion. He also wrote and directed Shin Godzilla, is also writing and directed, directing, excuse me, Shin Kamen Rider. And uh, the setup of the movie is Ultraman accidentally kills a guy while batting like kaiju, and he takes his appearance and takes his job at the S-Class Species Suppression Protocol to protect Earth. Um, it's screening around the corner for me, and I plan to be first in line. Yeah, I haven't really watched too much Ultraman other than a little bit of the Four Kids um, programming. However, the Shin Godzilla movie was actually fantastic. So if they're taking a similar approach to that, but with Ultraman, that actually sounds really intriguing. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Yeah, it was uh, co-produced by Tsubiraya, Toho, and uh, Ano's company, Kara. And uh, it's a movie adaptation, basically, of the original Ultraman series. It was supposed to be released in early summer of last year, but it was late due to COVID, and uh, it released in Japan back in May. And uh, speaking of Japan, boy, Segway City over here. Somebody tweeted out a report I hadn't seen from NHK World, where if you go to Japan and you have a little bit of money to throw around, you can go to Mount Uofune, which is a well, the quarry there, which is very recognizable. Anybody, anybody who's watched Power Rangers or Sentai or really many Japanese hero shows, because it's where they go to blow stuff up. It's where they go when there's a team up. And something that is going to be, a couple things that are going to be filming at uh, Mount Uofune almost assuredly are a pair of 20th anniversary specials. There is... Uh, you remember, you might remember Hurricane Jr. 10 years after. Well, they're going back to that whale again at Toy with Hurricane Jr. 20 years after. Uh, Ninpu Sentai Hurricane Jr. Degozaru Shushuto 20th anniversary will feature the Hurricane Rangers traveling back in time to the Edo period to stop a mysterious new evil. All five of the Rangers from Hurricane Jr. will be returning. Uh, and as for the Abba Ranger project, that one is really interesting um, because they were actually able to get everybody back, which was surprising because Aiko Ito left acting several years ago. Uh, the movie Bakudu Sentai Abba Ranger 20th, Unforgivable Abare, will see the Abba Rangers reunite after 20 years in a world that no longer recognizes their actions. Abare will be given a new power up, transforming into Cho Abare Max. Abare Max is what was known in America as the Triassic Ranger. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Aiko Ito played Abare Yellow. I, I, I wasn't sure if that was obvious. And Abare Killer is, again, back from the dead. 
uh, and the series head writer Naruhisa Arakawa is coming back to write it. And Premium Bandai will be releasing a memorial edition of the Dino Brace, uh, which you know is the uh, Dino Warper uh, here in America. And the release will include a new uh, plate for that Morpher, for that Dino Brace, based on the new uh, Cho Obiamax form. That will get a limited theatrical release in 2023 and hit home media in March of 2024. So, pivoting from that again to some of the more depressing stuff that we hinted that we might be talking about. Uh, Tammy Frank talked to People Magazine about um, about her husband's suicide. And it was really, really a heartbreaking piece. She says, and again, I'm going to preface this by saying, you know, obvious content warning for talk of suicide. She says that they were actually in the middle of reconciling. That's why they were at a hotel together. They were on a country music, country dancing uh, getaway. Uh, and they stayed out till last call. She uh they had a long conversation in his hotel and they had separate hotel rooms, not because, you know, marital issues, but because what they always do, he was a snorer. Uh, she left his room to go get snacks. Couldn't have been gone more than 10 minutes. Came back. Pounded the door. Uh, and when police made entry. Yeah. And there are fans. They're so-called fans who are harassing her. You know, I, I have no patience for that. Just don't, you know, find something better to do with your life. Yeah, I mean, their family has to be going through just absolute pain. And, I, I mean, Hell. you know, we we lost Tommy Oliver. They lost Jason David Frank um, is kind of the, the way I've been looking at it. Um, yes, we're all hurting. I can guarantee they're hurting a lot more. Um, yeah. You know, and saying stuff like that, I'd say all that really does is it causes further division within the family and makes the grieving process and the healing process that much more difficult. So please respect their right to grieve. Um, you know, if you want to send well wishes, that's fine. Uh, if you want to send something else, don't. He was the, you know, love him or hate him. He was the embodiment of fun at everything he did. He was the embodiment of of joy. And caught to use this opportunity to cause even more, but that's not what he would, would have wanted. And, you know, there are people who are trying to figure out some kind of logical explanation for his death, and they're not going to find it. You know, 
depression doesn't work that way. Mental illness doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, we we all want to make sense of it, and we all, really, I think we all just wish it didn't happen. Um, and, and I completely get that. You know, this is one of the guys who's, he's been with the franchise forever. Um, he really, he was the face of the franchise, and he was one of the few actors who still were kind of big, but didn't pretend like they were embarrassed about this franchise. So it feels yeah. like we've lost... Not just our, you know, the, the the figurehead, but kind of the our main voice um, of the franchise, and you know, that's definitely a major loss. But again, we we really have to remember there was there was a person behind um, the character and a person behind um, all of our support, and you know, he's he had a family. Um, and it's really important we do what we can to help them uh, recover in this time, you know, because obviously, like I said, we are hurting. Yes, they're hurting so much more and they need us now more than ever. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'd also like to uh, suggest listeners to check out our friends at Ranger Command Power Hour. They have, um, in addition to their remembrances and tributes, they... Uh, published a recent-ish uh, interview around the time of LexCon uh, that was conducted by, uh, you know him on Twitter, Kentucky Jam. His name is Joshua Moore. Uh, he did an interview for his local paper, and he shared that with Ranger Command, and I really recommend you listen to it. Uh, they get into some deep stuff. So we're going to take a break. We're going to reset, and when we come back, we're going to talk about our favorite Tommy moments and reflect some more on the loss of Jason David Frank. So you want to hear people talk about Japanese cartoons. You know, anime. But you think the other anime podcasters just aren't nerdy enough? Sounds like you need to join forces with the Anime World Order. Where each week three self-proclaimed experts offer you reviews. Of titles both new and classic, news and commentary. Rants, convention reports, interviews with fandom. And some hentai and yaoi for good measure. So search for Anime in the iTunes Music Store. Or visit our website at AnimeWorldOrder.com. Anime World Order, revealing the truth about anime, one podcast at a time. And we're back. So, as you heard in the top of the show with uh, a lot of those audio clips of, you know, moments that made you smile, made you think, uh what Tommy meant to us and the legacy he left on the show. Uh, We've been thinking of you these last couple weeks, especially since, you know, when me and Mike did that episode, there were people who couldn't make it because our schedule was like right hell now. And we wanted to, um, you kind of look back on some of our favorite Tommy moments. And Lamar, I know you uh, gave that um, wonderful remembrance on the audio drama podcast. Um, I'm not going to you know, ask you to just read a word for word here, but I was wondering if you could tell me, you know, what Tommy meant to you and what your favorite, what you think about when you think Tommy Oliver, what your favorite moments were. 
Yeah. Uh, so for me, Tommy Oliver was the guy that gave me hope that, um, you know, even if you don't have any friends, you can you can make friends for life. Um, to kind of touch on what I, I touched on in the audio drama Remembrance, um, I bounced around a lot as a kid, didn't really have any solid footing. So seeing Tommy come in, and even though he didn't get off you know, to the right start with the Rangers, um, being a, you know, great friend to them and them, you know, just treating him like, uh, the rest of them. That was a huge uplifting point in my life. Um, and definitely gave me a lot of hope. Um, as far as, uh, favorite moments go, you know, Definitely, I, I enjoyed his original run, but I think it's the returns um, that really um, warm my heart. You know, um, him coming back in Dino Thunder to be a mentor for that season and for that team, I think was absolutely wonderful. Because there's there's quite a few Ranger teams that probably could have used a veteran mentor. Um, Dino Thunder definitely was one of them, um, and I, I liked that he was. Um, you know, very supportive of his team, or the the character at least was, was supportive of his team, and also I appreciated that, you know, he didn't come in and demand that the entire season be about him, you know, he, he understood that, like, you know, he's the mentor figure, it's not his season, but he's back to help the season, um, and I'd say the other favorite moment is probably, um, his last, uh, return in, uh, Super Ninja Steel, because it really kind of acknowledged the legacy and the history that his character has had. Um, you know, kind of recognizing, hey, you are the guy who's who's had the most suits. You're the guy that's been around the most. Um, you are the leader of not just your teams, but the leader of the franchise. Um, and so that was nice to see that get acknowledged. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think you know, thinking about, you know, Dr. O, something that fans really liked about Dimension and Danger was that, you know, it acknowledged your reef side and all of that, you know, people really, you know, almost as much as MNPR have nostalgia for Dino Thunder and what Tommy brought to that series. And, you know, like just because of the nature of his contract, it couldn't be about him because he had to be stateside for a good span of the season uh, until he uh, returned uh, in Fighting Spirit, returned to the flesh, I should say, in Fighting Spirit. Uh, but when I think about it, I think about Green No More, where he was shown a demented version of This Is Your Life by Goldar in, uh, in Zed's Dimension. And he fought Goldar un without his powers and escaped. And, you know, it was one of the first times that Power Rangers gave us this lesson that being a ranger is about more than having the power. It's about what what's in your heart. And that was echoed in Fighting Spirit when the second Pterosaurus stole stole their powers and they still went and confronted him just like Tommy would. Uh meanwhile Tommy was fighting his own battle uh against his alternate selves to survive. 
and you know i i think of iconic moments like fighting zed uh and or like grabbing the zeo crystal in master Isle and the metallic armor when he had he was not 100 percent sure whether he would even survive he had to prove that he was good despite uh everything that he did when he was under rita's spell and this idea of atonement and i think that's the moment when for tommy that atonement was complete yeah absolutely um no, and to to kind of circle back to fighting spirit, uh, and I know I've mentioned uh, once or twice on the podcast that my wife and I use um, Power Rangers as one of our workout shows. With Dino Thunder coming up next and the fighting spirit episode, I think the the point of Tommy fighting his inner demons to survive that that episode's probably going to be a bit harder uh, to watch for sure. Um, and I know for a lot of you guys when you uh, watch that again, you know, after hearing the news for the first time, that one's going to be harder too. Um, but definitely, I think one of the, one of the problems I had with the way that that episode took was that he did it alone. And if you're going to be fighting your inner demons, you really need your friends and family behind you. I don't think that that was necessarily the intended takeaway no. of, of that episode no I, I don't think that's what they were trying to say i just I, yeah. I think that you know having even just hearing you know some voices you know supporting him that might have been a good way to kind of i don't know put a bow on that theme mm. Mm. Um, and Mike, who couldn't make it today, uh, said he always liked the end of Doomsday Part 2, where Tommy, who was in between stints as the Green Ranger, uh, chimes in and children arguing what color Ranger is the coolest by saying that they're all totally awesome. Looking on his former friends received their well-deserved accolades. He said the humility shown by Tommy, knowing he isn't receiving the same credit, stuck out to me. And that I think that was a really, really great moment. Uh, that was Power Rangers Day. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's all American original footage. And I don't think we even knew that JDF was going to be coming back at that point, or or I don't think even the producers knew he was going to be coming back at that point. I think that was supposed to be right. the end, and that's a really yeah, yeah. humble ending to his character. Yeah, I mean, plans were very fluid. You know, he was going to be. Uh, leading what was then called Cybertron. And, uh, you know, as we, as you heard in, uh, in, uh, Anime Central clip that we aired last time, there was a bit of a switcheroo when everybody wanted Tommy back. So back to Power Rangers, he went and Brad Hawkins went to, uh, VR Troopers. Uh, and that's, an, that'd be an interesting alter history. Uh, it seems like Brad Hawkins is kind of always the bridesmaid when it comes to Power Rangers because, it sounded like him when the Gold Ranger turned up, but it wasn't him. Um, I I think 
I think Tommy's returns worked best when he wasn't just like treated as like when when like it worked best when we were shown why he was so special like dimensions in danger where he busted out uh using his powers and his his know-how um and you know, defeated uh robo tommy single-handedly uh, you know the old the old rule of show don't tell um or the wisdom he imparted on the dino thunder rangers based on his years of experience doing this and going through some of the same growing pains that uh those rangers did yeah absolutely um no it, our show is not exactly known for its subtle storytelling but i think they were able to um definitely show that tommy uh has been a part of the ranger legacy even when he's not on screen um and kind of right. his his occasion uh oh sorry his occasional returns i think only further solidified that yeah or down thunder little things like you know relating to what trent was going through and talking to the other rangers during the white thunder arc yeah, absolutely. I mean, the parallels between what Trent and Tommy went through obviously were intentional, um, and I really enjoyed that, um, to be fair. And I think that was uh, that was something that, had Tommy not been there, it wouldn't have worked as well. Um, and I know the Sentai is, is vastly different, so obviously it's a totally different take on that one as well. Um but I think for Power Rangers, especially with Dino Thunder being kind of a legacy anniversary season, that really um, hit the message home. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think the show will ever have anybody as iconic again. You know, it was kind of the special sauce that that made... Tommy worked so well, not just the Japanese footage, but at risk of repeating myself, you know, casting, writing, and just, you know, and timing, great timing. And, you know, when you think yeah. of Power Rangers, you think of Tommy. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say about Jason Frank before we go? Um just that I'll be praying for the repose of his soul um, and that, you know, as uh, a fellow Christian, I'm, I'm praying for him and I, I hope he's with God now. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, the number for the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. Take care of each other. You're not alone. If you like what you just heard, find us at rangercast.net or look us up in your favorite podcast app. Additional music in this episode was arranged by Rookie X Music. Find them on YouTube. The downbeat version of We Need a Hero is by Ron Wasserman. The ending theme is by me. Rangercast is distributed under Creative Commons license. Attribute and share alike. May the power protect you always.